everybody. Welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider podcast, the podcast that is usually all about the geeky things that are happening in the world that we love and how excited we are about them. I'm Ariel Kasten, and with me as always is the ever-wonderful Jonathan Strickland. Oh, sorry. I was hey. supposed to say for everyone. But... <laughs> is that just going to be the thing now? Maybe. I don't I okay. haven't decided. Obviously, I'm, I'm really committed to the bit, you can tell. Yeah, Anyhow, well, uh, what were you going to yeah. say? Oh, no, I was just going to say, hey, hey, ho, ho. Our normal podcast had to go. Yeah, yeah. So uh, if you haven't been following the news, uh, SAG-AFTRA has just gone on strike. They weren't able to negotiate their uh, a good new contract with the AMPTP. Um, and that means because I am an actor and because we both support the strike and, and what they are trying to achieve in contract negotiations, that um, a lot of the TV and movies and things that we normally talk about, we cannot talk about right now. You know, part of it is good faith. And then part of it is, you know, if I ever want to join the union and I do stuff that is considered stricken work right now, and they find out about that when I join the union, then I can't join the union anymore. Yeah. Um, don't know if, if, if this podcast would even get on their radars, but uh, we're still figuring all of that out. So, and yeah, so what we're doing, uh, Ariel's going to be looking into and getting some more questions answered just so that we have an idea of the parameters. We, we do plan to continue recording the show. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just that the show may end up having a slightly different format uh, in the short term while the negotiations continue. And uh, honestly, I mean, just, I'm not, I don't have a dog in this fight. I'm not SAG. I had the opportunity to join, but I didn't <laughs> because I did, because I don't do acting that often. I did one acting gig that qualified me for SAG, but because I had no other acting gig at all on my radar, it just didn't make sense. So I didn't, um, but I fully believe in the union. In fact, I do belong to a union. I belong to the, uh, I Heart media podcast union, but the, uh, the, we want to be in solidarity and, and we also are fully on the side of the writers and the actors who are on, on strike. Uh, and the studios, like if you are on the side of the studios, then you must just love cartoon villains because they have been doing everything they can to come across as cartoonishly greedy and callous. Like it's, it blows my mind. I mean, one story that was covered in deadline, which by the way is owned by a company that in turn is run by a guy who is part of the AMPTP. That's the, the association of producers. Interesting. Uh, Yeah. But deadline ran an article about how, Apparently, people in the AMPTP do not plan to sit down with the writers at all until October at the earliest because that they figure that by then the writers will be strapped for cash. They'll be struggling to pay their mortgage. They'll be struggling to pay their rent, and they will be in a position where out of necessity, they will settle for fewer concessions, which is just plain evil, right? Like, that's not negotiating yeah. in good faith. That's trying, that's setting a siege. It's like a medieval siege on a, on a yeah. fortress. You, you cut off now, all support and you wait for them to starve it out. Now I will say, and this is not me playing devil's advocate. You know, there, 
when you read through articles, AMPTP has made no official announcement that that is that. So it's that is their plan. So that's not the corroboration. It is leaked information. Not to say it isn't true. I mean, when you look at strikes and you look at unions and and the people who are negotiating with them and a strike happens, yes, someone's trying to wait out the other person to get them to give, right? And it's a sucky situation. Why can't everybody work together for a better future? But, you know, it, it is important just to keep that in the back of your mind. For instance, uh, right before the strike deadline, uh, the sag after uh, negotiation deadline, uh, a picture popped up online of uh, Fran Drescher, who is the president of the uh, SAG-AFTRA union currently um, in Italy with um, Kim, Kim Kardashian. Kardashian, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And a bunch of people, a bunch of people were like very upset about it because they thought she was jet setting and partying instead of negotiating. But what the actual story was, which was corroborated by the rest of the the negotiation board of SAG-AFTRA was that she is also a clothing brand ambassador, which is a separate job from being an actor. And she was there doing her job for Dolce & Gabbana, I believe it is. Um, she had met Kim Kardashian like 10 minutes earlier. And when she wasn't out doing that job, she was in her hotel room Zooming and texting and everything with the negotiation boards to be a part of it. They knew about that conflict going into negotiations. So, uh, you know, and that was obviously made to put out to make her look bad, right? Like. There, there was definitely media going around and a bunch of people got really upset and rightfully so. If I thought the person who was representing my well-being was not taking that seriously, I would be upset too. Thankfully, some of the people I know who are upset are, are looking and going, oh, I misunderstood the situation. Uh, that's a little bit, that is a larger bit of a bunny trail, but um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the AMPTP was planning on waiting out the writers. Um, but well, again- they- that's not, they haven't confirmed it. They haven't confirmed it, but that's because you don't confirm it when someone says the quiet part out <laughs> loud. And then you sit there and look and say, Oh, everyone's I mean, looking at us. Like we're the, we're the bad guys. Cause we're totally acting like bad guys here. I'll say this. Yeah. They haven't sat down to renegotiate with the writers since the strike began more than 70 days ago. And that, that fact I think seems to corroborate the, the uh, allegations that they yeah. are, They are purposefully stalling in order to make the writers desperate enough to agree to whatever they want. And, and remember Ariel and I have talked about this before as well. When it comes to the actors, they're in the same sort of boat as the writers, like the vast majority of actors out there are not necessarily making a living as an actor, right? They may have to hold Mm -hmm. down other jobs while also being an actor we think about the ginormous Hollywood stars like Tom Cruise or something, but who, by the way, was in Atlanta promoting one of his movies. But the, we think of those folks, we think of the, the big movie stars who are signed to multi-million dollar deals per film, but that's the exception. That's like the, the half a percent representation of all the actors who are out there. And so yeah. these these strikes are really important because otherwise uh, it can turn acting into something that literally, unless you're part of that 0.5%, you're not going to make a living doing it. And ultimately yeah. that hurts everybody. It hurts the actors, obviously, because they can't make a living, but it also hurts fans because, and it even hurts the studios because it means that people are disincentivized 
to pursue a career in entertainment because there's no way to make a living off of it. And if that happens, then you don't have any entertainment to make anymore. And the studios end up shooting themselves in the foot. I think it might even be less than 5% of actors. I've been seeing like a 97 point whatever percent uh, working actor thing going around. Uh, I, I think it's it's somewhere closer to like three, three and a half percent. Yeah. But I mean, that that is true. And a lot of media outlets don't, if they get the nuance, they don't put it into their article. But I feel like maybe a lot of them don't even get the nuance because it's not about the celebrities wanting more money. It is about the working actor. And if you think about, the fact that a lot of these streaming companies aren't transparent. One of the things that they've been negotiating on is, um, uh, and again, I'm not a part of the union yet. I don't qualify yet. I'm working towards it, but you know, I support them. But one of the things they're working towards is better metrics for residuals for stre- uh, on streaming shows, shows that mm-hmm. show up on streaming networks because We've talked about it in the past. Streaming networks are very, very elusive when it comes to how many people watch their show, when they watch the show. Like that's very private information to them. Um, But when shows used to be on network television and and cable, we'd use things like, I think like Nielsen ratings, right? To to see how many people would tune in to a show. And that's how residuals were based. The the Nielsen ratings also... Uh, help dictate how expensive advertising rates were for specific blocks of programming. And that's another major difference with streaming. Like unless it's an ad supported streaming service, then the revenue is not coming in through advertising. It's coming in through subscriptions. And that's a massive difference for the streaming platforms versus something like basic cable or, or network TV, because it, it, you know, you're making a flat amount based upon the number of subscribers and you want that number to go up, but you will eventually sooner or later hit saturation and you will not get more subscribers than you currently have. You'll hit a point if you're lucky where you're adding as many as you're losing quarter to quarter. And that I think is what has a lot of studios scared is the thought that, well, it's not like when we're talking about must see TV, where we can call for really high ad rates to run commercials during that block of programming because it's so popular. And then that revenue ends up being part of the residuals. And so they're scared about more costs going out than they're getting revenue coming in or rather cutting into profits. Cause as Ariel was saying, like we don't even necessarily know how many people are subscribed to some of these well, streaming services but that that's the problem right if a, if a whole bunch of people watch a specific product on a specific streaming platform and your residuals are based on the number but your revenue is based on subscribers that's where you start to run into to some really tricky math as well yeah yeah um and and you know i i talked about back when we were first looking at the writers might strike about the fact that like some of these streaming networks are losing money uh, where they weren't initially. And so, yeah, they're, they're looking at their profits and, and, and what their losses are. And while I don't feel like that's a good excuse for not paying your labor, what they're due. And, and I, I won't go into some of the, the anecdotes I've heard from people who have done stuff for various streaming networks um, and the troubles they've had with it outside of that, because that's all hearsay um, unless we get one of them on the show, but yeah. 
it, it you're right. It's probably more how much they're going to make versus making a profit at all. But I, I was going to say with the residual argument, like sometimes I think I talked about this before, like if you're going to qualify for health insurance through the union, there is like a hard minimum you have to hit to qualify. And sometimes those little residual payments, because often they're not a lot, are like the the nickels and dimes that get you over that border, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and for the working actor, that's that's so important because a lot of I, I heard a quote somewhere, and I haven't I haven't confirmed it, but a lot of working actors aren't even middle class in in their wages, right? Um, you know, and insurance is expensive, so. Yeah. And if something happens to you, then you need to have that insurance to be able to to rely upon it, especially when, you know, your job is not a uh, not a not a steady gig, but a gig to gig kind of thing. And uh, there are a lot of elements that are uh, factors in this. We talked with the Writers Guild about how AI is one of the concerns because of studios potentially using AI to generate ideas and then paying writers to punch up a treatment and because they didn't come up with the original treatment, they could end up working at a lower rate than they would if they had just mm-hmm. been hired to, you know, put to- together the thing in the first place. But the screen actors guild, they're also concerned about AI. And one of the other big stories that came out this week was that apparently the AMPTP wanted to have a clause that would allow them to do a digital scan of day actors. So these are people who come in like background and that kind of stuff, like extras, essentially paid extras, but to be able to scan them. And then the studio would own that digital scan in perpetuity, meaning that those folks would get paid for their one day of work. Then they would not be called back in to do any additional shooting. They, the studio would just use the digital scan and they could continue to use that digital scan for future productions. So, you know, you would, after you scan a certain number of people, you're like, well, we don't need day actors anymore because we've got all these digital scans of folks and they all signed over their, their, you know, likeness. So we don't have to pay them anymore. And now we've got this huge cast of background characters we can have who are free. And obviously that's a huge, huge problem. There are a lot of actors who get their start as extras or day day players or whatever. And that that's kind of their foot in the door. And without that, then it becomes even harder to manage to make a living in the industry. And so that that's the kind of, thing that that these unions are really guarding against are these policies that would take advantage of people who can't afford to be taken advantage of. And meanwhile, you're looking at the salaries for some of these studio heads and they're in the, you know, double digits in the millions, like 20 million or more. And it really starts to raise a lot of uh, ugly questions. Yeah. And, and like day player doesn't just like, Day player doesn't just, um, that doesn't just mean background and background gets paid a lot less than a, an actor with lines. Yes. Um, or, or a featured actor. Sometimes you can be a, a guest star or a co-star without any lines. It depends on the size of your role and the importance of your role within the film. But yeah, that, that is legit a thing that has come up. I have actually heard one or two people who have said they've seen it come through on one of their contracts. 
that's not okay. I mean, when you think about that, that's a good way to like get your face put, depending on whatever perpetuity clauses they have to get your face put on, let's say a product you don't want to promote or, um, you know, get your, your head put on an adult star's body for something, you know, it's, or even, even just appearing in a project you never would have agreed to. Right. Like, let's say, yeah, let's say it was a, uh, a movie that ends up having like, like it's meant to be a, a mockumentary or even a documentary and they decide to use your likeness and they're the point of view of the film is 180 degrees in opposite direction of how you feel that would stink. You would, you would be so upset. Yes. Like, it, you know, if you'd sit there and see, like if I saw a video, a, a movie of me and uh, it's a movie that was glorifying violence against animals, I would be livid. <laughs> Yes, yes, exactly. It takes away your agency as a person, which is beyond just a work thing. That's just a a general like civil kindness kindness human thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And and that is obviously one of the huge huge problems with uh, the deep fake technology that you were referencing where, you know, putting someone's face on top of a different uh performer's body. Uh that's, you know, that's obviously something that is a problem right now. Like that has been a problem for a couple of years. Once the deep fake tech started to, uh, to be developed and then was, you know, distributed and that's terrible on its own. Like there are entire, you know, articles and books and podcasts that tell the story of how terrible that can be and how traumatic it can be to the people that it happens to. Uh, Mm -hmm. and, you know, that's kind of like the nuclear example of the issues we're talking about here. But yeah, it's like you can see why there's a need for the the unions and for the unions to be able to take collective action because no single performer has the leverage to be able to, you know, push back against this, at least not collectively. And if you were to de- determine that every single person had to do this individually, the vast majority would be unable to do that either because they'd be intimidated that they would never get work or they're just desperate for work because they need to earn a paycheck. So, you know, you have to have things like unions in order to protect the, 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 you know, the bottom line, like both the, the above the line and below the line performers and, and Mm -hmm. crew involved in entertainment or else they're left to hang out and dry. And yeah. So anyway, uh, that's, that's me rambling on like crazy just to say that, uh, that I am 100% in support of both WGA and SAG. I know Ariel is too, but I wanted to say it because I don't have, I mean, technically the union I'm in is related to WGA East, but it's not, we're not on strike. My union is not on strike. So um, but I am, and I do support them in solidarity. And I really, really hope that with SAG joining the picket lines, that's going to put more pressure on the studios to budge a bit, yeah. because obviously if, if we're to believe that earlier deadline article, they were ready to just starve out the writers, but they can't, you know, they can't do anything now with both actors and writers on strike. Like you can't develop anything new and you can't shoot anything mm-hmm. that was in production. Yeah. And they can't even um, promote things that are coming out. If this goes on for a long time, there are a lot of uh, actors that are not going to be going to like San Diego comic-con 
uh, which is about to happen. Uh, yep. It might affect Dragon Con even. You, you go, well, that's not a, that's more of a fan convention, but they aren't allowed to talk about their projects past, current, or future if they're uh, attached to the AMPTP is my understanding. Again, I'm trying to get better clarification, but if that's the case, they can sign autographs, but the panels might just be right out. Yeah, yeah, which would be kind of weird. I mean, it's totally understandable, but weird in the sense of like, if you're an attendee um, and, you know, it just, it's it boggles the mind. And also like, imagine things like the Emmys. We just had the Emmy nominations, right? Like those mm-hmm. just came out this week. And now you're like, wow, what if you threw in Emmys and no one was allowed to go? <laughs> so there, yeah, I don't know. I guess that wouldn't be. There are some things that are, I think, I think are still able to be done. And that's, uh, and I'm not going to give a full list because some of it's very confused. <laughs> a lot of it's very confusing, quite honestly. I'm pretty sure until like you're in it and you start working in those specific contracts, you're like, what is this? But sag after and agents and managers are all very willing to help actors. If you're an actor listening to this, reach out to them, even if you're non-union, because they want your help and support too. So like variety shows, game shows, news, even though I think broadcast like news reporters are under sag you still need to report the news. Um, soaps, surprisingly, uh, can happen. Certain smaller podcasts and then... Um, Commercials are things that can all still happen. So you might see those, but they won't be talking about any of their other projects. <laughs> well, the other thing is that, you know, remember the reason why the Tonys were allowed to go forward was that there was an agreement that no one would write for it. Right. Like, like the Tonys yeah. was essentially a, an improvised awards ceremony. Well, that's still going to be true for the Emmys. So like, it's yeah. just, it, that's why I'm like, why even bother holding them, especially right now? Like it would seem so weird to celebrate yeah. stuff when you also aren't supposed to be promoting anything. It just, I, I think it doesn't, yeah. doesn't look good. I, I, I suspect it'll be canceled because they also, I, I do recall seeing that for your consideration campaigns cannot be done. Um, and those are usually what people do to like promote things for awards. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, Oh. It, but also like some smaller, some smaller platforms, like for instance, uh, I, well, there are some smaller platforms out there that are streamers that are not a part of the AMPTP. And right now they're also trying to figure out how to navigate this because most of them also want to support the strike. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see how everything shakes out in the interim. Right. I, I know that there are like independent streamers and stuff and the, and SAG has already released a couple of different statements or at least people on behalf of SAG. I don't know if SAG itself has, Mm -hmm. but I've seen messages on behalf of SAG urging like influencers and streamers, people who are uh, part of the entertainment sphere, but they're not part of traditional entertainment, right? They're not part of Mm -hmm. the Hollywood scene, but they're reaching out and saying, Hey, you know, don't, don't cross picket lines. Like if you're asked to be someone who would say host a, an event or, or show up to a premiere to help promote uh, a, a premiering work, don't do it because the reason why these uh, uh, producers would be reaching out to you is largely to undermine 
the effects that we're trying to have on the industry. So I have seen those messages going out again. I don't think it was necessarily an official SAG statement, but more like people who are thinking ahead and that I was seeing it mostly on uh, social media, because obviously that's like the, the marketplace and, and town hall for influencers. So that will be interesting yeah. to see if that actually moves forward, because uh, I could definitely see Hollywood uh, trying to lean in on that. Um, I'm very curious if we're going to get any uh, independent little uh, projects, because, you know, the last time there was uh, the a strike and now it wasn't it wasn't a, a combined strike because we haven't had one of those since 1960. Uh, yeah. But when the last time there was one, that's when we got like Dr. Horrible. And it's mm. because it was completely outside the normal Hollywood production. Yes. Sphere. And and they are making, they are making interim agreements for stuff like that. Um, yeah. So somewhere. it'll be interesting to see if anything like that emerges as a result of this. I will also say uh, just out of curiosity uh, and no shame in not knowing this, if you don't Ariel, cause I didn't know it until I happened to look it up. So Fran Drescher's president of, of SAG right now. Do you know who was president of SAG back in 1960, the last time there was a WGA and SAG combined strike? Probably not Fran Drescher because she's not that old. You're right. Um, it is not Fran Drescher. So if that's your answer, <laughs> you are technically correct. Well, it was Fran Drescher's mother? No, no. It was former president of the United States, Ronald Reagan. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. Because he was a former actor. I mean, he was an actor at the time. And uh, by the time he was yeah. elected president, he was a former actor, uh, which a lot of people of, of younger generations. Well, first of all, you may not even know the name Ronald Reagan if you're young enough. But but <laughs> but assuming you're old enough to know the name Ronald Reagan, you might not have been aware that he was an actor, uh, mostly in stuff like Westerns and, and such. But uh, yeah, he yeah. was the president of SAG back in 1960. There was a lot more that we could say about Reagan and his time as an actor, but I'm not gonna <laughs> because it's not, yeah. it gets into things like the red scare and it gets ugly. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna back away from that, that uh, time bomb. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think, I think we've talked a lot about, you know, the strike we will definitely keep everybody updated on it. You know, and we'll, we'll try to have some conversations about some, some other things as well. You know, I don't, I haven't had a lot of time to read books, but who knows, maybe I'll have more time now. You can still go out and you can see theater. Um, you can, I saw one person say, you still go out and watch movies because you're supporting your local movie theater, you know. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you can still go see live theater, um, independent things. Um, yeah. So go yeah, out so and support the local non-budget stuff you can. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's like theaters, there's museums, there's all sorts of stuff that, uh, you know, especially like local, local, uh, houses, like whether it's a local theater or a local museum or whatever, they can always use the support. It's, you know, depending on where you are, the arts may or may not receive a lot of financial support from your local government here in Georgia. It can get pretty darn grim, uh, so yeah. supporting local theater is always a great thing. Plus you're going to discover stuff that you didn't even knew existed. I, I saw a show here in Atlanta that is now a Broadway or is going to be a Broadway show very soon. And that, that it's um, 
Gutenberg the musical. They did it came out of the Upright Citizens Brigade and was slowly developed into a full length musical. And a local theater down here in Atlanta did a production of it. And I absolutely loved it to the point where I really thought about going to New York to catch it. And then I saw how much the tickets were. And I said, well, I don't think I can pay 300 bucks a seat to see this show. (laughs) And if I don't pay 300 bucks a seat and I go sit in the back, I won't be able to read what's written on the trucker hats. And that's important. (laughs) It's not even that. It doesn't even cost that much to go to see uh, Billy Boyd and Dominic Monaghan do some uh, spinoff Shakespeare. Oh, which I will be doing because I got that for my birthday. Yes. You know, we're, we will try and see how we can work around this and, and talk about things without uh, encroaching upon the, the unions because we respect them. We want them to get as much out of the negotiations as they possibly can. No one ever walks away from these things, getting everything they wanted. That just never happens. Uh, but mm-hmm. to get a, the important things covered is really what we're hoping for. It can also get real ugly. Like it can get real ugly. If the negotiation team ends up agreeing to stuff that the larger union is not super happy about. We saw that with IATSE actually in the last round. Mm-hmm. So Uh, My hope is that whatever concessions they're able to get will be uh, agreeable to the the vast majority of the union because it would really stink if it were otherwise. That would just be really painful. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see how this impacts everything else, like not just TV and film, but podcasts and all all these other uh, related things that are kind of much younger forms of media and whether or not we actually see that kind of come to a stop. Like I was sitting there thinking, man, I bet Sean Evans of hot ones is real nervous right now because the whole reason people come on hot ones is to promote something that they're doing at the time. And it may mean that he's just going to have to really focus on things like sports and music. Yeah. Which he's done before he could bring you on. He could be bring me on. One, I will put away those hot wings. <laughs> and two, I'll be one of the most boring guests that has ever been on that show. <laughs> I doubt that. I doubt that. Um, I was I had more points to say, but I have forgotten a lot of them. Um, if if you listen to this show, and I'm guessing most of our listeners do not fall into this category, but if you're listening to the show and you're like, gee, I just have all this extra income and I'd like to help support sag after and the Writers Guild and I can't attend to pick it, um, you can go to the entertainment community, uh, to entertainmentcommunity.org and donate uh, some money to the entertainment community fund that helps the writers and actors and things like that. I won't get any of it. I'm not in the union. Um, I don't need any of it. Um <laughs> because I'm very fortunate to have a side hustle that also allows me to act. But uh, yeah, you know, that's, that's the thing you could do if you're wanting to help and you aren't sure how, and you can't be boots on the ground. Yeah. And that can mean, and that if you want to go that, pick it, go join a picket line. <laughs> yeah. But that contribution could mean like someone is able to get groceries when otherwise they wouldn't like it's, it's a big deal. Uh, Cause again, like we're not talking about the, multi-bazillionaires like Robert Downey Jr. You know, we're not talking about those folks. We're talking about the people who have, you know, appeared on TV and film and have played an important part in productions, but 
aren't at that echelon. They're not considered mm -hmm. to be like a box office draw. So they've never necessarily enjoyed huge financial success. Maybe, maybe they've ma managed to eke out a living, but it's not like they're, you know, staying in a multi-million dollar mansion in Beverly Hills. So I think it is, you know, important to remember because again, like our perceptions can be so twisted. If you sit there and think like support actors, good grief, those folks can, they're always jet setting around the globe. Again, that's like the top percentage of actors. Most of them are, you know, checking their, their car cushions to see if they have enough change to go and get a coffee. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's something you definitely do for the love of it. And that doesn't even count all of the like education and resources an actor has to put in to their work to get work. Yeah. Um, you have to pretty much constantly be training and no, you don't have to pay for training classes, but it does help, especially if you're trying, trying to start off. Um, you gotta get, you gotta update your headshots regularly. You've got to pay for, um, you, you know, uh, act site site um accounts for various things so and not all actors but at least in atlanta you do um yeah yeah, yeah you'd, you'd be surprised how many of the actors that you would recognize who have had recurring roles um on sh very popular shows still just get base rate for everything they yeah. do yeah yeah if and if they're lucky yeah. they're on a really popular show where they might get some residuals that will uh, make things a little easier down the line, which again brings us back to why it's so important to support these strikes so that the same thing is true in the new era of streaming, because this, if the studios get their way, then you're going to see a totally different approach to entertainment that is not sustainable. And that ultimately is going to lead to a really chaotic and messy time. And it, again, it's going to hurt everybody, like including the studios. So uh, it, it blows my mind that people are so bad at looking at long-term issues. Like they focus so much on the short term and the immediate term that they have difficulty even getting their heads wrapped around. Oh, if we do this, what does that mean in five years? It becomes really hard to, to see that, but I truly believe that unless things are uh, changed properly, what we're going to look at, is the opposite of what we've had for the last two decades where we had like, think of all the prestige television that came out, all these amazing shows on various uh, channels. Like if we talk about a future where more and more stuff is on streaming, but there are fewer incentives for people to get into writing and acting, say goodbye to all those prestige shows that were so phenomenal. We won't get them anymore because there'll be no one, to write them or act in them. Yeah. Yeah. And I've heard some people say, uh, well, just cancel all your streaming subscriptions and pirate the media you want. I, <laughs> if you want to cancel your subscription to a streaming service, I know some, I've seen some actors say, hey, that would really stick it to them. Um, just go without, just go without that media. I, I still can't condone piracy. No, um, I can't either. Yeah, I uh, just just I, go without for a while. I, you know, I I would be lying if I said I had never pirated anything in my in my misspent youth. Uh, I certainly was guilty of uh, occasionally getting hold of some song tracks that I did not purchase. Uh, and uh, now I'm like, no, I would never do that. I 
I fully believe in paying for the stuff I want. I also believe that just because something exists doesn't immediately give you the right to have it, right? Like you have to, someone put in work and effort and, and, and investment in that thing and they deserve compensation for all of that. So it's a, it's a, a, a dance that we do. And yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, eschewing streaming services, if that feels like that's something that you could do that, uh, you know, that's your way of helping support the cause. It certainly sends a message like companies pay attention to that sort of thing. If they see that their numbers are declining, I mean, that is a a huge concern, especially when it comes around time for them to talk to their investors. When they, those shareholder earnings calls come up saying, yeah, we have fewer people subscribed to our service than we did last quarter. Not a good message. Yeah. And I will say again, I don't think that is an official call by SAG-AFTRA or anyone else. I've just seen it go around on social media. Um, but if you're going to do it, when they ask, why are you unsubscribing? Tell them it's because you support the strike. Yeah. <laughs> that way you, they'll know. <laughs> if if you're in a car and you're driving by and you see a picket line out in front of uh, what would have been a production, give a couple little honks and say, woohoo, good job. Keep it up. Solidarity. <laughs> woohoo, good job. I mean, yeah. like, I I know that if I were on a picket line and I heard someone say, woohoo, good job, I'd be like, oh, that's nice. That'll keep me going another, like, hour. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that's all we have for this week. Hopefully next week we'll have some better idea of things we can and can't talk about, you know, uh, and and try to dive into some geeky um, genres we haven't touched in a while. So that could be fun. Yeah. And, you know, we've also got some discussion topics that we'd love to to touch on. One of them being something we kind of hinted at here, where it's that idea of of vanishing media. So we may end up having some episodes that are are, are more like geek adjacent in that there are discussions about things that relate to geek culture without specifically being about upcoming projects. We may do that some mm-hmm. more of that. Uh but yeah, we, we're not going anywhere. So it's not like we're having the podcast go on hiatus. We're just trying to be respectful and, uh, and still have great conversations. Yes. Um, and thank you to everybody who's been chatting about the things they love on discord. We've heard, uh, some great book recommendations, um, and some fun anecdotes, and it's always a delight. If you've enjoyed listening to us, if you've got a non-TV film sort of topic you'd like us to cover, if we can, uh, you should write us and tell us. Jonathan, how can they do that? So what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to go out there and you're going to have to establish uh, a media empire. And you're going to sit at the head of this media empire and it will grow in importance and relevance and wealth. And you will find ways to wring every single cent out of it. And that includes making certain that you don't pay the people who work under you too much until ultimately they reach a point where they can't take it anymore and they rise up against you and you swear that you won't give an inch. And then as you stare out over the, the, the masses who are roiling at your feet with their, their, their signs and their chants, and you're looking out in your penthouse suite, you'll see on the horizon, a figure and it's me 
and you'll suddenly realize all the terrible things you have done and feel awful about it. And you'll make the journey humbled as people around you yell, shame, shame, shame. And you walk all the way until you see me. And I say, was it worth it? And then you're like, no, but, but I, I got a question for you. And I'll answer it. And if you want to go through a little less trauma, you can contact us on social media. On Twitter, we're LNC underscore podcast. On threads, Instagram, and Facebook, we are Large Nerdron Collider. Uh, that's also our website, www.largenerdrawncollider.com. I will post some of the strike news and, and maybe the community fund link there uh, sometime this weekend or week. Um, and yeah, you can check us out on Discord too. Um, until next time, I have been Ariel um, Caston. <laughs> and I have been Jonathan I'm waiting on you, Bob Iger, to walk over here and ask me your question, Strickland. The Large Nerdron Collider was created by Ariel Kasten and produced, edited, published, deleted, undeleted, published again, cursed at, by Jonathan Strickland. Music by Kevin McLeod of Incomptech.com.